0: Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back here with your hosts, Liam and Bill, here to talk some supercoach leading into the last five weeks of the year. Bill, it seems to have gone really quickly, but we're at the tail end of the year now. How'd you go last week?
1: Yeah, I did all right last week, I guess. Um, Just sort of held my position there, so went up 40 spots, Um, now ranked 2,549, so just a hold ground week. Yourself?
0: Yeah, pretty similar. I put up a 23-23. So I think probably a few weeks ago, we would have read out these scores and been pretty happy with ourselves, but it seems like everyone's got the full premium teams out now and only takes one or two sort of players to, to have a down week. I know I had the Adelaide boys in lead and, and Sloan both put out 73s for me. And it's something as easy as that can sort of be the difference between you, you know, rising a couple of spots and yeah, holding ground.
1: Yeah, so only 28 points between us there, and that's enough to you know either go up or down a few spots. So obviously at this point of the year, um, every point counts.
0: Yeah, so I'm sitting there just over the 4,000 mark, you just over the 2,000 mark. So we're we're doing all right, but not really pushing the top. Uh, I'm sitting there with three trades left. I know you're in a bit of dire straits there with your trades.
1: Yeah, I think I've run out of steam now. This is probably the week where I'm running out of steam. Um, so yeah, unfortunately that Andrews suspension... Um, pretty unlucky. Not that he's putting up very good scores at the moment. Bit of a shift there in the in the Lions back line, but got the zero there. And then uh, Shannon Hearn not making it up for the week is, uh, yeah, push the other zero. So probably get the on-field donut. Um, I have a trade, but probably leaning at this point towards saving that one for the long-term injury that, you know, is inevitably coming around the corner.
0: Yeah, that's probably a good talking point to start on is people in a position like you where they don't have a lot of trades for you. It's only the one. And then you've got an injury like Shannon Hearns and Harris Andrews, where Andrews is definitely a one week suspension. Hearn is a bit up in the air because it's a calf injury we know he was a laid out last week, also missing this week. You know calf and over the age of thirty are not two things we like to see together. Are you thinking that he's just another one week or is that something that can potentially you know drag on for a while? It's a
1: concern. I've already seen Josh Kelly get listed as a as one week longer than he was supposed to be, and obviously with Hearn on the wrong side of thirty, you know you get a bit worried there so hopefully back next week Um, otherwise probably have to pull the trigger on that trade but been burned a bit recently Caleb Daniel looks to come back in you know somehow two weeks
0: crazy yeah for sure he was listed as like at least four I remember and then he was back really quickly so it's really hard to tell which clubs are sort of playing funny buggers trying to list them but shorter than normal list them for like one week and then they won't come back for a few and I think probably for this podcast what we might need to do is sort of explain a bit of advice for a few different classes of people so you can have your people who are either playing for overall and they need to you know try and maximize their chance to get as high as they can on the ladder in the overall standings and they've got people who are playing for league who are just outside of finals or in finals in an elimination standpoint where they also need to go for broke they need to get as many points as they can so you got those people who are sort of they can afford to change their arm a little more, they need to go for it. And then you've got people who are playing for league and they're pretty safe, locked into the eight or top four, and sort of they probably have a different set of standards that they'll need to hold themselves to. So, probably depends on how you play. If you're someone like yourself with one trade, it's even more sort of delicate because even if you're playing for overall i'd probably advocate for you to hold that trade as you're sort of saying because you can trade for a one week you know zero here and then have an injury and cop say Brody gundy goes down in the rock and you don't have any cover and then you're missing that donut for four weeks to come that's that's something that you don't want to see in your team
1: yeah that's that's i guess the darkness where i'm looking at where Bynes isn't offering any cover and then up in the forward line don't have much cover up there either so i do think if you're playing for that um the overall rank you're probably going to need to save your trades at this point of the year for long term injuries just yeah you can't be spending them anymore on those one week you know Harris Andrews or or Shannon
0: Hearn who both hopefully both back next week Yeah. So especially if you're somebody who is copying, say, a Hearn missing another week, but you've got someone like a Griffin Logue on the bench, you know, you've got to look at that differential for points lost where, you know, if if Logue can come in and put a 60 or maybe even a 70 out for you, you might only be losing, you know, 30 or 40 points where maybe that trade is worth more to you than that little, little gain. But, yeah, if you've got somebody and they've got an injury for three or four weeks, you know, when they're missing most of the season to come, that's when you've really got to look at pulling that trigger and not having all of that money sitting on your bench.
1: So I guess I'm sort of in an interesting spot. Not many people find themselves in this position, but, uh, you know, I've burned through all my trades and it looks like I'm probably not going to finish the year with Max Scorn in my team um, if I want to save that trade. So I'm sort of, you know, jumped on the Riley O'Brien bandwagon the whole season now. So it would be interesting to see how he can go... Um, I'm not sure who he's got in the ruck. should look it up, but I think he's got Carlton this week, which is uh, not the worst matchup, but uh, there's probably not too many coaches out there playing for overall who are running on uh, Riley O'Brien for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because we had this conversation uh, off-air last week where you were wondering, you know, you were planning on trading up to Gorn, but you had a few issues and ended up running low on trades and you are wondering if you should spend your last trade to go from, you know, Riley O'Brien to Gorn and decided against it. And Riley O'Brien's come out and put a a huge score on the board, even eclipsed Gorn's score, I believe, or at least went uh, pretty similar. So at the moment, you know, potentially that output is going to be, you know, too close to each other to consider um, that as a trade even if you do sort of have the trades up your sleeve you might want to wait until a point where you see those you know scores at least coming apart a little bit and losing you 20 or 30 points a game before you're looking to make that jump
1: yeah if anyone is in this spot um you know especially if they're tight on money then i think waiting for Gorn to you know drop a bit further and O'Brien probably keep rising for a while so definitely hold off there but I think it's going to come down to the matchups, you know, if if one tosses up pretty poorly one week, I might have to pull the trigger if if you know, we're a couple of weeks down the line, but when this this week you see him playing Carlton Riley O'Brien, that is playing Carlton and, and Max Gorn up against Rowan Marshall from St Kilda, that's an interesting matchup. Um I think so. You know, I'm not trading based off those matchups really. I don't think uh you know, Riley, uh, sorry Rowan Marshall's in very good form.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting and you don't want to be in the situation that I found myself in where I started with Todd Goldstein. I held him throughout the year until the point that I wanted to trade to Gorn made the trade. And since I've traded Goldie out of my team, he's gone 131, 148, 132, and 124 over the week since I've traded him out. So over that time, he's actually even put up better scores than Gorn has. And I spent all my money, made sure I used my weeks of trades to, to get that to happen, sort of having that idea of I want Gorn in my team probably thinking of that name more than the structure and sort of how I needed to move my team to benefit my points each week so it's definitely the ruck is a very delicate position particularly because we've got no cover there where yeah it's just super interesting and I think it'll be even more interesting next year because you mentioned the form of Rowan Marshall there next year he'll be a sole ruck and you'll have sort of Grundy who's going at 132 so far this year going at 125 but Rowan Marshall's going at 112 off his first year in first ruck and Riley O'Brien's going at about 100 mark as well, putting up some big 160s. Sort of there's a few options for next year. Maybe that set and forget is, is not what everyone will end up doing. It,
1: it's probably not what end up what everyone will end up doing, but I think what I've learned this year is just set and forget. You know How many headaches has it caused us over the year? Um, you're trying to get a little too smart there and, and just not start off. Grundy and Gorn, you know, it worked pretty much all year until Gorn's missed that week so i don't know i'm I'm, those are going to be the first players in my team i think next year
0: yeah i think we also have underestimated the captaincy options of those guys we're always like oh worrying about the money but really these guys are set you can pretty much lock one of those two to go 130 every week and be you know your easy captain selection and everyone forgets the days when we just captain dangerfield every single week and you didn't have to worry about it you never got caught with a terrible captain score whereas this year we sort of were like, oh, we'll change it around a lot. When we probably should have just been going, go on into Grundy every week, you know, bank the points and and play it smart.
1: Yeah, Grundy on a Friday night. He's vice captain so many weeks now in a row. So um, he never puts up a bad score really when you do it. So it's hard to uh, it's hard to go past them, for sure.
0: So circling back to that uh, Shannon Hearn issue that we mentioned before, so he's missing again. And if you're someone with a lot of trades, or somebody who needs to make finals with a win this week, or or needs to shoot up the overall, if you're sitting there in like the top 100 or something and need to make a play, there are a few trade options for people around. And probably the one that most people will look at is Lucky Whitfield, who's who's back in the team, back from his injury keeping up his great scoring and there's pretty much no money between those two i think it's about three thousand dollars price difference so that's an easy sideways trade do you think if you're if you're needing to jump off
1: yeah i think so it seems the obvious choice i mean zach williams has got a great average particularly you know recently last five rounds but um he'll probably get his scores impacted there i guess with whitfield coming back in the side, you think to some extent. And the only other name I can really see up there that you'd even potentially consider at this stage, maybe Nick Newman, looks in really good form. But yeah, I think if you're going for someone in the in the defensive line and you don't have Whitfield, obviously, because of his recent injury, then he's probably the uh, the go-to man.
0: Yeah, very interesting names you threw up there. So Williams and Newman are a few that a lot of people started with. And at this stage, you've got to say, if you were somebody who started with those boys, you'd be extremely happy with the output that you got Um Williams seems to be performing extremely well since, first of all, Whitfield was out of the team, so he sort of got more ball. And then since Whitfield has come in, we've lost Kelly and Caniglio from that team. So there's plenty of ball to go around for these players. He's even moved further up into the midfield over recent weeks uh, with those injuries. So I, I see him as a great scoring option for the rest of the year. I'll throw another name at you that I sort of like as a bit of a smoky. Is one that you brought into your team, I think, over the last few weeks. is, is Christian Salem. He's put up a 111 average over the last 5 five rounds and really just performed the role that we thought he would for the last couple of years, really stepped up. He's accumulating more of the ball and having more of an impact off that middle and and half back line.
1: Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic, um, recent times. Sort of makes up for the pain of, of having traded Zaccoons out of my side, so cancel each other out there. But yeah, he I think he's uh I'm not sure what his ownership is. It's I think when I picked him up it was a couple of percent, you know, it's still quite low, so Um, Yeah, 9,000 teams it is. So just a fantastic option over the last five weeks. It's hard to say whether he'll hold that form, though. You know, we've seen him be a bit up and down.
0: Yeah, I think it's the perfect point for how you play. Again, if you're playing for a league and you've got a matchup coming up and, you know, 25% of the, like, Field will be owning Whitfield, so one in every four players, particularly the ones near the top, will probably be looking at having Whitfield in their side. So if you can look for a bit of a point of difference option, if you can look at the player you're versing and see that they don't have someone like Salem, see a matchup against the Saints where you think that he can accumulate maybe a bit of the ball in that matchup, maybe it's a bit of a favorable one for him. You know, that's the sort of thing you have to think about when you've got a one match, you know, you've got to win it to make finals or something. You've really just got to look at that difference between your team and somebody else's and where you might be able to get a leg up because we've seen in recent weeks, he can put 130 pluses on the board. He's someone with that high scoring ceiling and it's almost with five weeks to go. They're the sort of players you want to start looking at.
1: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we've said it, you know, pretty much every week, but you're not going to climb the ranks if you just have the same players as everyone else. Um Obviously, you risk falling as well. But at this stage, you know, there's, there's merit into bringing in someone other than Whitfield because, as we know, he's in a lot of sides. So those picks like Salem, um, Liam Ryan's actually been putting out a few good weeks recently. So he's another option. I think both their averages are just, just under 100 now. So there's options in the back line. There's options up forward. Um, midfield is is a bit tougher, I think,
0: at this stage. You know, a lot of teams seem to be converging in that area. Yeah, definitely. I think... Another way you can look at sort of gaining some points on the opposition is if you're somebody who does have a breadth of trades left that, you know, you're sitting there with six or seven trades left and you can afford to sort of swing around a few options is looking at some underperforming, highly owned players like Sicily sitting in, I think, both of our teams at the moment. And Sicily's last few weeks have been absolutely terrible. He's had an 87, a 40, an 83, one big score at the 141 and then a 60, 77. He seems to be playing more key position at the moment for Hawthorne. He seems to be holding a man more. I haven't seen him take many kickouts, which was free points for him always playing on and kicking along. So I really see his super coach output for the rest of the year being a bit lower and he's dropped down to 450k. But if I was someone with trades and could sort of try and swing a Sicily into a Whitfield or something, you know, that could be getting you 20 or 30 points a match if you're able to, to pull a move like that. Yeah,
1: and like we mentioned at the start, I think it was only 20 or 30 points between us this week, and that was the difference between a bit of a rise and a fall. So, yeah, it's really important to find where you can squeeze those points and, you know, jumping off someone like a Sicily, as you said, who is, a, you know, sort of a name player. He looks good there, um, his name in in your lineup. but if he's not really performing week to week at this stage, it, it might be time to move them on.
0: So you mentioned the midfielders before and, you know, having to try and figure out which players if you're still looking for an upgrade or or a bit of a swing from one of those middle ground players like you've still got a rock cliff in your team and you've got trades to to move them along who are some good options to swing to and it's probably a place where it is a bit harder to find those you know nice point of difference players but there are a few around. Um, there's Adam Trelaw, who I looked at when I brought in Sloan, who's who's really put together a fantastic few rounds with a 118 five-round average, sitting there at 560k and 17% of teams. So he's owned in a fair few, but, but not a majority of the competition. And around that similar price point at 550, you've got Luke Parker in just 4% of teams, and he's also got that 110 average on the year and performing really well. Do you like either of those guys as midfield options?
1: They're both both great options, but I'm going to completely change the topic here because let's talk about some lines. Jared Lyons, Dane Zorko, they're both less than 4% owned. Jared Lyons, less than 1% owned, and they're both throwing up huge scores. Um, That's a real part, I reckon.
0: Yeah definitely I mean I still don't know how Brisbane got him effectively for free from Gold Coast last year we were talking about him as a, a draft player someone that you, you picked up the draft and uh, you know was performing really well on the field and he sort of just went for free and everyone's sort of was questioning it at the time and it's sort of coming up again because he's been absolutely fantastic that game on the weekend I think he went 150 plus on the scoreboard and his impact in the game was probably even higher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's insane that the Suns let him go, and there's obviously a story there. No one really knows why that's happened, but yeah, just looking at the, the list here at the moment, he, based off five-round averages, you know, at the top, um, you've got players in a lot of teams, McRae, Dunkley, Dangerfield, and Fife, and then it's Jared Lyons, and that's just not really the name you expect to see there, and yeah, 0.7% ownership. That's like one 1,500 teams have him.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking for someone to take you home, um, that's the sort of move you might make if you're in the top, you know, two or three in the competition and you just want to throw all of your 50 grand onto one player that nobody else will have and uh, try and ride him out for the rest of the year it could be a bit of fun for those people around the top or some people who really do need somebody to really get them a big, a big jump on everyone to get into the finals. So there is those players that you can pick up sort of with the high ceilings that can push you and sort of the other thing that we might want to move into talking about now is picking up those extra players with a high ceiling that can be that extra bench option if you're someone in that luxury position. So someone who can be your extra midfielder on the bench or forwarder defender on the bench that you can look at sort of buying with a straight trade or a small upgrade from one of your bench rookies that can can act for some cover for the rest of the year. Is that something that if you were in a position with trades you'd like to be doing at this stage of the year? Yeah of course I mean if you can be doing it then you definitely would. Um, there's some interesting
1: options around, I guess. Dyson Heppel, only 500,000, had a good last five weeks, 1.2% um, ownership. I'm just looking at players who aren't very owned here. So Mark Murphy, 1% ownership, had a good last five weeks, and Jack Redden as well. Uh, Dion Prestia, these players are all less than 1% owned. So there are a few you know, really unique choices if you want to go for them.
0: Yeah, I think looking at these sort of high ceiling, low price, options to take a take a bit of a punt on I was pretty surprised to see down in the forward line for anyone who's trying to get a bit of forward line bench cover down there someone we talked about as a potential premium maybe two months ago was Tom Hawkins all the way down to $350,000 he'd be the perfect player to you know side trade one of your set of fields or someone is still in your team over to someone like a Hawkins have him on the bench you can start to look at loopholing these players on if he gets on a bit of a roll and kicks a few bags of goals
1: Yeah, absolutely, I love that Um, move You know, it's really good to loophole uh, Big key forwards like that as well Because, you know, you can chuck them on the bench If they go huge, just loop them on And obviously we all know um, Hawkins is capable Of those big 150 plus games with a bag of goals
0: we're talking about loopholes. We might as well talk about uh sort of loophole options in our rookies. So people who are downgrading at the moment, maybe they've still got an upgrade to make if they're playing for league or potentially if you're, you know, went down with an injury and you've got a lot of trades and can do a one up, one down and people are, are still trading the rookies bill. Do you think this is the time of year with five weeks left that you can afford to sort of trade down to a 102K non-playing rookie for one of your bench spots? that you can then use as a loophole option to help you loop that extra player on field? If
1: you really want the loop, you know, I guess it's it's an option, but I mean, if you're sitting there with a full playing bench, you're doing pretty well, so you can really do whatever you, thought you want at that stage. Um, I think most of us will have at least one uh, loop um, there handy. I don't know, I've got Nash down in the back line um, who's become a bit of a loop, so I think a lot of coaches will have one, um, but... I mean, you're doing pretty well if you don't, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty much the main point. You pretty much hit the nail on the head there, that if you're trading someone down and you've got a second playing bench option in that field, so if you're uh, downgrading a defender rookie and you've also got Logue on your bench, that's probably the time where you can downgrade to a non-playing rookie because you've got cover already. But if you're sitting there with someone who's never going to play, like a Gardener or someone, and don't trade your second player down to a non-playing rookie because you can't be sitting there with no cover you know you've got to either be trading to someone that will get you games as cover for injuries or whatever happens down the track or if you've got great cover then you can maybe start at trading down to these non-playing 102k players
1: yeah um, I haven't been paying a heap of attention myself to the rookies because I won't be making any more trades I don't think that bring in a rookie, but have been watching a few of the games and noticed Ian Hill playing pretty well for GWS. So perhaps he's a good option with that mid-forward swing. Definitely opens up a few uh, swings there. So maybe Ian Hill, but is there anyone else, Liam?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great option. I did the same thing with Cameron from West Coast. I I couldn't downgrade anyone from my forward line rookies because they didn't have any money. So I traded down to a mid-forward in my midfield and I've been able to sort of have him to swing on to any... I've got a lot of mid-forward premiums playing in my forward line, so if any of them are out, I can do that swing with a, a rookie from my midfield. It can open up a lot of different options, which I think is great. And he's, he's also put up some good scores with a 60 average, 117K. He pretty much ticks a lot of the boxes if you need a playing player. Um, Francis Watson with a 73 stepping into that sort of defensive spot left by Hearn, but I'm not sure how long he'll hold it. Uh, we saw McLean from the Swans put up a 60 up forward as a 102k playing option. So if you want someone playing, they're sort of the players that you can sort of look at. Um, but yeah, as we said before, if you want someone not playing, you can go all the way down to 102k and get someone from the dogs have a lot of Sunday games coming up. You want those late playing players to be your loops because you want them to have not played by the time you want to swing them on and off the field. So I think the Bulldogs have a lot of Sunday games coming up if you want to go down that road.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. I guess one of the other things we could look at uh, at this stage of the year is obviously with only five weeks left, maybe starting to look really really closely at what the fixtures are for the players that you're considering because um, you know, over such a short time frame, that can make a big difference in, in how that player is going to score in your side.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think matchups are huge. I think we've seen obvious ones. Um, Ruckman against the Bulldogs is, is a really close one. Um, Certain teams have weaker and stronger midfields. We know midfielders against Port Adelaide have performed a lot poorly compared to other teams. you got teams that don't pay a lot of attention to opposition midfielders because they've got strong ones themselves. Um, those sort of things are really important big wins will be coming up for a few teams when some clubs put sort of the queue in the rack um, these sort of things are really important as well as trying to not target players who might be sit- sitting out of games so anyone who's got a bit of an injury like for example I don't think he'll miss many games because he might still be in line for a high brown load finish or whatever but nat Fife's recently got a bit of an injury his club probably out of the finals race at this point somebody who could have been put in for surgery or on ice you got to watch out for these sort of things at that time of year
1: yeah so as we said uh, only five weeks left and finals in a week so um, you've got the two types of players those who are playing for uh Overall on those who are playing for league wins, but I guess there's also a third type of player, those who are playing in the draft leagues, and uh, we've got a pretty competitive comp going in ours, uh, finals drawing up, and how's your team looking, Liam? Mine's got uh, Josh Kelly on the bench, which is a bit of a worry, moving into the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm playing a different couple of leagues so got a few players floating in and out of injury on the bench but sort of shaping up your teams now towards finals and sort of for draft it's coming into the point of the season where it's really going to get interesting because you come into an elimination final and you know if you've just got to win that week you're going to be able to pick up some players off the waiver with good matchups like you mentioned before and you're going to you know be able to really have a have a play around with some players who are completely unique for your lineup so we really like draft for that um about to move into finals for our competition and for people who are doing that as well, we might, you know, talk a bit of draft. Uh, we, lo- we love the format and talk a bit of strategy there for your draft team. So obviously, if you're moving into your finals matchups and know who your opposition are playing, you can sort of um, have a bit of a play around with your bench and and waiver a few players or, or free agency, uh, acquire a few players who, as you said, have good matchups or have the same game matchups as your oppositions, um, sort of putting on your captaincy on some different players if you know that you need more points some with a higher ceiling or a a steady option Um, yeah do you have any other advice out there for people who are are playing their draft final soon
1: I guess um, you know always in the draft uh, leagues it's important to keep track of who's you know in and out of sides Um, often players can get forgotten on the waiver you know Um, not everyone's paying attention to a lot of the time and you pick someone up who's been injured for a while if they're coming back in, you know, see how they slot back in and whether they can get on a bit of a run. Um, I think it's also important to have a look at your side and, you know, try and differentiate between the names and the performers. So, sometimes you've got a player who's, you know, they've got a good name, they've, they've historically scored pretty well, but if you actually look at, you know, their scores, they haven't done well over the last five weeks, say, for example. So, you know, then you've got to really look at whether it's worth having that name player who might come good, or whether it's worth picking up someone who's in a bit better form off that free agency or, or waiver.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. Just getting on to our waiver at the moment and having a look at who's sitting there at free agency, and as you said, there's a lot of big names that have sort of found their way to the waiver because they're not performing. You know, you down back you got Zach Tui sitting on our waiver with a 72 average. Players like Luke Hodge are big names, but sitting out there at a 68 average, you know these sort of players. At some point, you have got to put aside the names and start looking at the people who have sort of been performing over the last few weeks, and and get a good idea of you know who could pop for you in one week. You know, you get your streaming options. Somebody who's who's playing a game against a team that you think might pile on the goals as a forward. You know, you got you got to start thinking a little a little strategically at this time of year and and pick a few players who are also hot as well you can look at um i'll bring up the five round average here and and see who's sitting on our waiver with a bit of a a, a hot streak but someone as you mentioned like lions middle of the year he could have found himself onto the waiver and, and could have been a really great pickup for people i know you picked up rowan marshall in one of our leagues his you know top six forward came from the waiver uh one of your best pickups for the year yeah
1: i'm um, loving that pickup that was around the time when i think you know raleigh bryan had jumped onto the scene and then- Roman Marsh started getting some games and scoring really well, and yeah, I was straight on the waiver and thought, you know, if I could get another ruck into my team, particularly in the forward line, that's a win, so paid off. Uh, yeah, as you said, it's, it's crazy that he's a top-six forward.
0: And uh, how do you feel about picking the younger players in this format? You know, players like Sydney Stack are putting up, you know, pretty reasonable scores of of 80s and and you know players like griffin loge we've even seen in recent weeks i've seen people streaming and, and playing them for potentially a, a higher score than what you might get from some of your lock standard players week to week but they've also got the lulls like we saw Logue score a score in the 50s are you somebody who would stay away from these rookies at this time of year when they're tiring or do you not mind sort of picking up some of these players um, who have less experience
1: i don't mind it you know i i when finals come i do tend to think about form a lot and you know if someone's in good form i'm not really too worried whether they've got a huge historical record or whether they're a young player or or anything like that um you know often we find like you said really good pickups on the waiver and if someone's putting up a pretty good five round average then unless you're seeing a role change or or if particularly if you have seen a role change to to make that average raise then you know i, I wouldn't be hesitant to pull the trigger on someone um yeah names over over points uh is is generally a bad strategy obviously what matters is the points doesn't matter if your team you know sounded good at the end of the year so bring in the young kids bring in whoever's off the waiver i'm definitely going to be bringing in some of myself just scanning it now
0: <laughs> yeah i think i think it's exactly it where i like to look at my team and have it look real pretty and have a lot of great players but when it's, you know, if I lose this week and, you know, next week I don't even have a team because you're not in the competition anymore, you'd rather have the players who are playing well. And I think another thing to look at at this time of year when you only need players for one week or two week. You can look at also the players who aren't in the team. So I know, for example, Conor McKenna's been putting up some pretty good draft numbers in the Essendon team. He's not playing this weekend against the Gold Coast, which is quite a good matchup. So you might look at people on your waiver wire, like I know Gleeson from Essendon sitting there at our waiver wire and he's, you know, sitting there with, you know, 80-ish average, put up an 86, um, I think on the weekend. So, someone like him might get an even bigger boost against a poor opposition. Also, having another player playing that sort of accumulating similar role out of the team might just mean that he'll be able to step up one week and, and build on what was a good score last week as well.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And you don't have to necessarily keep those players in your team either. You can bring someone in for one week and then, you know, if there's going to be a role change the next week, just boot them for someone else on the waiver. So, like you said, it's it's better to just be staying in the comp, winning your finals, and keep progressing than it is to be sitting out of the comp with your team looking a little nicer on paper. So, yeah, definitely don't be afraid to pull the trigger as we approach finals time uh, with your waivers.
0: All right, so we've got a few interesting matches this weekend. Um, I assume Grundy is going to be vice-captain lock for everyone against Richmond on the Friday night. Uh, he'll be rucking up against uh, Soldo. I don't think Nankervis came back into this team, so uh, you've got to expect that you can pretty much almost captain that but other players who you can put other players you can put the captaincy on um, just trying to look there really isn't too many standout options that I can see off the top um, you've got five going head to head with McRae on the Sunday I think both of those are good options probably McRae for me would be if Grundy fails I think McRae will go a lock 115 plus that you can take a pretty stock standard safe score if uh, you're in a position to do so what do you reckon?
1: Yeah definitely um, yeah, like you said, I don't think there's a lot of huge standout candidates this round. Um, maybe Dangerfield against the Swans, but that's an away game. So, you know, you can normally consider that. Um, Gorn has a pretty tough matchup, I, I reckon, in Ron Marshall. Um, although sometimes with the Rucks, you know, you just see them both put up huge scores. So he's obviously still a pretty good option. Um, <coughs> Lucky Neil maybe against Hawthorne, but once again, you're, you're talking about an away game.
0: Yeah, the uh, Roma-Gorn one's a very interesting matchup because it's hard to say Gorn can score build as we saw on the weekend in the first quarter. I don't think he had any touches but had 30 points because he had taps to advantage and, you know, taps to advantage aren't necessarily uh, Rowan Marshall's strength but around-the-ground performance is and sometimes Gorn can get off the chain around the ground so, you know, you're sort of taking a really strong around-the-ground player might sort of mop up some of Gorn's effect in that aspect but you know I wouldn't count him out for putting up a big score either sort of just in general have you got any players from your team this week that you're really looking to fire that you really need a little bit more from um, or any players that you're you're pretty confident on this week
1: yeah I think the first one that probably jumps out for me is is Marcus Bontempelli because you know I paid a premium for him brought him in a few weeks ago when when Josh Kelly went down and he hasn't really fired for me Um, he's got a match up a home game against Fremantle As you said, up against Fife, who has that elbow issue, so I would expect at least one of Bontempelli, McRae or Dunkley to get off the chain, Um, I guess hopefully Bontempelli. Been a disappointing buy at this stage, and then hopefully Salem can keep up his good form. What about you, Liam? Who's in your team uh, primed for a big week?
0: Uh, I really just, as I said off the top, those, those Adelaide boys, especially Roy, Roy Laird, I didn't really want to bring him in, but I didn't have the cash to get up to a, a Whitfield or a Hearn. So I was like, oh, you know, Laird's a good name, even though I've, I've, you know, from the preseason said that it, it wasn't the year to be bringing in Roy Laird and I bring him in and he, you know, popping out 73s and stuff for me. Hopefully, uh, this week he can lift for me. I need more from you, Rory. I need, I need more from you uh, this week Um, and also, as we said, down back Sicily been really poor. I hope you can get a few more kick-ins to help us out. We'll hopefully maybe over the next couple of weeks get our statistician, sports statistician friend uh, Matt back on the show and maybe ask him a few questions about those kick-in rates from these players and sort of some trends we've been seeing over the year about a few players and their scoring and how it's been altering from different roles.
1: Yeah, super keen to get Matty on onto the pod and, and ask him about a few players. In particular, one for me is Brad Crouch. Um, the last six or so weeks, he's been putting up the same possessions as he has every other game for the year, but now he's actually getting the rewards uh, super coach-wise. So I think we can pinpoint the week that Matty and the rest of the boys at Champion Data brought him into their teams. And yeah, I want to know why he wasn't scoring like this from the start.
0: All right, that might, uh, wrap it up for the show for this week. Bill, uh, do you have any closing remarks of the people at home one week before Supercoach final starts? And, uh, next week we'll have a big show for everyone, uh, giving all the advice for those lucky ones that made into Supercoach finals.
1: I just don't score too many points. You know, I'm copping a zero this week, so I'd like to keep my, uh, keep my rank. So if everyone can just not score too many points this week, that'd be good. Yeah. So that's, I guess, all we have time for this week and, uh, as you mentioned, finals coming up, exciting times for Coach and we'll see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast.